Hello and welcome to On Mike with Jordan Rich, the place for conversation, featuring creative, passionate people with a lot to say who are doing a lot in society. With so many in need these days, and with many who want to help others, I consider it an honor and a privilege to introduce listeners to dynamic people with a passion for giving back. So today, I welcome a husband and wife team to On Mike. Jay Ruderman is the president of the Ruderman Family Foundation. His wife, Shira, is the organization's executive director. Together, they lead this charitable foundation founded 20 years or so ago by Jay's dad, and their main focus is to work for the inclusion of children and adults with disabilities, working closely in a nonpartisan strategic way with people in government, educators, Hollywood, the arts, and the private sector. One of their high-profile ventures is presenting awards to those in the public eye who share their fundamental values, and we'll talk a little bit about that. They've got a show called The Inclusive Podcast, hosted by Jay Ruderman, and all kinds of exciting projects that you can find at rudermanfoundation.org. So let's bring on this wonderful couple, Jay and Shira Ruderman, and invite them to join me and you on mic. Jay, a little background from you, first of all, on the foundation, started by your dad a couple of decades ago. And as I said in the introduction, there's so much more going on than simply donating money to causes. Tell us more about it. I think generally a family foundation is when there is wealth in a family and a family decides to set aside that wealth. And the Commonwealth or uh, different states allow uh, families to do that, to set aside money for the public good. Uh, We run the foundation not only as I'm a trustee and chairman, but I am also actively working in the foundation, trying to create social change. But the money is for the benefit of, of the public good. So we're giving it away to um, 501c3 public organizations. We're creating our own programs. Um, our foundation's been around for about 20 years, based in Newton, Massachusetts. And our focus for um, 90% of our work throughout the years has been on disability rights and inclusion. It's an issue that I think was important to my dad. My dad believed that everyone deserves uh, a fair chance in life. And when we first got involved in the issue, people with disabilities and children with disabilities were routinely being segregated. And we believe that they should be fully members of our society in every aspect. Let me address this question to Shira. You married into a beautiful family, and uh, you have not stayed on the sidelines. You've really taken up the mantle. What is your role with the Family Foundation, first of all? You know, first of all, the role of philanthropy, I think it's a true privilege that should not be taken for granted. And when you work in philanthropy and you understand its power to make a change and you know bring people together and be independent from all the bureaucracy and politics that um, exist in every sector and corner of our life, I think it's outstanding realization of how you can do things for the better good of society and and be free of all of this like chain that exists around us. I came from, you know, uh, Israel as someone that was involved in management and strategy. And like Jay, we share a great passion for public service. I ran for office in Israel myself. Um, and when we met, we didn't know of it, of each other at that time. And with time, we understood that, you know, we can actually be a good team together. But it took some time. I was uh, lucky to be the first one starting the foundation with my father-in-law in 2002. Um, and it took a few years until, you know, uh, Jay and other family members also committed a lot of their time 
Well, it's so much more than just contributions and philanthropy in terms of money. It's it's time and energy and effort and seeing things come to uh, fruition. And let's talk about some of the issues. And uh, I'll start with you, Jay. Inclusion. Let's define what you mean by that. It's pretty broad ranging, but it deals with, with folks with disabilities in a very, very positive way. Outline the inclusion strategy and how it's been going. So first of all, I'd have to say, you know, in the disability community, there's a phrase, nothing about us without us. And while all of us, um, you know, we focus a lot on mental health and many of us, uh, especially in the time of um, COVID-19, you know, focus and deal with uh, mental health issues in our families, amongst ourselves. Um, you know, the, the issue of disability is widespread. It's 20% of our population. Um, it's the largest minority group in the world. Yet it's a very fractured group. I mean, people tend to uh, focus on, you know, whatever the disability impacting their family, whether it's autism or cerebral palsy or wounded veteran, blindness, deafness. Um, but we, we've always believed that the, that the community will be much more powerful the more unified it is. Now, we've never defined disability because there's landmark legislation in the United States and called the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA, which is reaching its 30th anniversary in July. And essentially, they define disability as anything that will need an accommodation in order to um, be a part and enter into society. But I think we've been out sort of front in the progressive movement in terms of believing that people with disabilities have a right to attend an integrated school, have the right to live in, uh, in a house in our, or an apartment in our community, have the right to work in, in the workplace, have a right to be part of our religious community, our, our secular community. And that's fighting against a historical background where people routinely, a few generations ago, were institutionalized and sent away from society to live in institutions and has evolved into segregated, segregated classrooms, segregated housing, uh, sheltered workshops where people with disabilities re uh, receive subminimum wage. So those are all elements that we try to work against. And the other thing I would just say is that you know we focused a tremendous amount of our work on advocacy, which is sort of a an, an intangible. But if you don't change people's opinions, I don't think real change happens. And it's interesting, Shira, that in our culture, so much of what we understand is sort of seen on screens in some of the entertainment we watch. And you both have been uh, championing the cry that Hollywood should do more to include. Uh, recently, you had a wonderful ceremony, I referred to the awards, with the Farrelly brothers who are from Rhode Island, local New Englanders, mm -hmm. filmmakers who make extraordinarily funny movies. Tell me a little bit, Cher, you start, about the reason for them getting the award and what impact their films have had in this area. I think, as you said, we live in a time that images and TV and screens have a lot of power to dictate priority, um, who is included, who is not included, what's authentic, what's not authentic. Uh, and we wanted in a smart way to use the power of the screen and the media to be the um, forefront of the call of authentic representation and what we think is part of a social justice approach to society. So for us to choose the Folly Brother was almost like meant to be. You know, it's very rare when you live in the world of awards 
um, and awards exist everywhere to, you know, every kid today get a trophy for participating. So to be extraordinary like them in the sense that it was such a natural decision for them. They didn't feel they're doing anything different or wrong or uh, extraordinary by making this decision of taking people with disability to be integral part of their movies. Number two, I think that, you know, building a partnership, it's very, very difficult. And this is what made this award very unique. It became a, you know, from award and recognizing them to a friendship and a partnership because we share simply the same value. It's not because uh, we're going to start working tomorrow or invest in movies. It's just because on the level of value, we share the same approach. I think that also the fact that they make funny movies and extraordinary uh, movies that make almost every person, any of us, relate to it. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, a heavy issue is just like a funny issue that you can see people as they are. And um, I think it made it very unique to recognize the work and in the same time to leverage their ability to bring the change to the screen even, you know, one step forward. I think that's a huge, huge move for the better. And I'm so glad because I remember when a few of their films popped up and people were offended by some of the casting in those films. And I thought, oh, this is extraordinary. I just, uh, one of my recent guests on my podcast is Jerry Jewell, the comedian who appeared in Deadwood back in the early 2000s and received an Emmy nomination. And she was born with the CP, and she's an amazing uh, woman. More of these people need to be recognized. More of Hollywood needs to wise up to this because it does break barriers through and through. There's another barrier that needs to be broken. It's chipped away over the last couple of decades, and that's mental health. Jay, can you talk a little bit about what you're doing teaming up with the Red Sox Foundation and others to help destigmatize something that is so, so hurtful for so many? Well, I think mental health, which is what we're focusing on with the Red Sox Foundation, the Red Sox organization, is like I said, widespread in our society. And especially now with everything that's going on, you know, many of us have been isolated in our homes. Uh, many people have lost their jobs. There's a, there's a tremendous uncertainty. We're going through uh, tremendous protests, race, uh, uh, that are, it's protesting police brutality and, and, and injustice in our society. And I think people are, are, are reaching their breaking point now. With the Red Sox, um, we said, you know, sports like Hollywood, you know, celebrities influence so many people, especially young people who look up to uh, baseball players or other sports players as as their idols. And to have um, 12 of the leading Red Sox players come out and do videos and talk about the need for mental recognition of raising awareness of mental health and to, for the people to get the help that they need, I think is is extremely powerful. Um, when we started the partnership with the Red Sox, it was we were assuming that we were going to have a baseball season, and that these videos were going to be played during the games, and and you know thirty five thousand people at each game would would see them. Uh, of course, that's not how baseball has turned out this year. But the videos were made, and they and they have a long shelf life, and and I think that you know we're like we did this in Hollywood uh, with the Farley brothers, and we've done it with with many other actors and actresses 
I think people of influence stepping forward and talking about mental health has a big impact. I mean, one of the awards that we gave before the Farley brothers was to Michael Phelps, uh, who's um, one of the greatest Olympians of all time and has talked openly about mental health and how that's affected his life. And, and just think of all the young people who are getting into sports who you know, know Mel- Michael Phelps and, and can be inspired by his message and, and can have an impact on their lives. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, Jay, and then I'll go back to Shira with another question is, in baseball, forever and ever and ever, when a player was injured, he was put on the, quote, disabled list. And I was reading a lot of material on your site. You were part of that group that got that term moved over to where it should be, the injured list. You're not disabled, you're injured. What impact does something like that have long range, do you think? You know, we have founded a group called Link 20. Link 20 is an organization made up of people with and without disabilities who are young advocates. And the reason we created Link 20 was because, like we started the show, you know, I represent a foundation which is essentially representing one small family. But in order to make the the issue more impactful, to get hundreds of people behind these issues. So Link 20 was actually the organization that we sponsored that reached out to Major League Baseball and reached out to Billy Bean, who is um, an inclusion vice president with with um, uh, with Major League Baseball. He's the um, the first openly gay uh, Major League Baseball player, and he's very close to the commissioner. Link 20 wrote to him and said, listen, this is fundamentally unfair. You know, someone that pulls a hamstring and is going to be on a list for a few weeks until that's... Um, healed is injured. He's not permanently disabled. And that's offensive to people with disabilities who draw their identity uh, in large part from being uh, disabled. So Major League Baseball was was awesome. They, they said, you're right, and we're going to change it. And they changed it right away. And now when I listen to baseball games, routinely it's referred to as the injured list, which is the correct term. Um, we weren't trying to be politically correct. We were just saying you know, it's time to recognize the rights of people with disabilities, and they see their identity through disability. The other success that this organization had is they reached out to the U.S. Olympic Committee that was paying Olympians much more money for gold, silver, bronze medals than they were to the Paralympians, who were also receiving these medals. And after the advocacy of this organization, Link 20, Uh, the U.S. Olympic Committee agreed to pay Olympians and Paralympians on parity for for their gold and silver medal and bronze medals. So, you know, I think that with advocacy comes change. And um, this has been a few of the successes that we've had. Shira, has it been more challenging or because people are stuck in one place, has it been easier to reach people and move some of these programs forward during these last three or four months, do you think? First, I would say that um, COVID, with all of the sad challenges that it brought to our life and our society, also brought tremendous opportunities. People are more flexible, and the fact that they are either working from home or uh, right now not working make them available to listen, take part, and, and be active in issue and social justice issues. So for us to... Um, see the change that people are more engaged right now than ever. Uh, it's phenomenal experience because it's needed. We maybe needed 
a forced break that is not a positive break, but if we're not going to use it for the positive, which we have the opportunity to do, we're going to miss this opportunity as a society. This time uh, gave us all uh, the opportunity to see what does it mean to be humbled? How can we be flexible? I mean, can you imagine, you know, five months ago or four months ago, uh, we work a lot in advocacy. And there is a lot of media involved. And we will get around the world. If you cannot come in person, we cannot address this issue. And look at now. You know, if you're on the other side of the world, they're willing to put you on Zoom and Skype. And CNN can, you know, run a daily 24 hours news from, you know, a basement. Meaning for our issue of inclusion and mental health, it's a big, big message. Because if you want to be... Uh, creative, you can find solutions. If you want to move the barriers, it means that it's possible. The question is, do we want to move the barriers? Do we want to see a change? Can we together, because the world together is crucial for change. None of us can do it alone. Not or one organization can change everyone's life. Not one initiative is the answer for one solution in society. So the message that came from us, and I hope that more and more people will join, is that A, change is possible. B, um, opportunities are out there. We just need to notice them. And three, to do things together, this is the key to a major impact and success in society. Boy, do we need that kind of talk today more and more. That's just why I'm thrilled you're joining me. And one more point, and both of you can comment on this, and I know it means a lot to you. It means a lot to me. There's something uh, in Hebrew, the words tikkun alam mean a lot. I'd like to have you each describe what it means to you, tikkun alam, basically to uh, to give back to the world in, a, in your own way. Jay? Yeah, tikkun alam means to fix the world. I think that that in any social justice movement, we've always seen in the United States um, and elsewhere in the world, um, Jewish people at the forefront of social change. And I think that that's what it what it means to us that you know we want to play our role for whatever we can in trying to better society. There are so many evils in our society, and they need to be addressed. And I think when you're in a position to not only put resources, but also to have the courage to stand up and, and to say, you know, we're, we're going to take on social justice issues. You know, I, I, I think that, you know, I've gone to many of the Black Lives Matter protests uh, locally. They've been all over the place. And, you know, I'm inspired of how many people who are not black are, are are participating in these protests. I think there's a chord that's been struck in America that there is an injustice that needs to be answered, um, and maybe part of that has to do with COVID and being locked down, and part of it has to do with the inequality of the people that are passing away, and part of that maybe has to do with you know political injustice. But I think there's something rising in our country, and I think that that what Tikkun Olam means repairing the world means playing your part. You play your part to try to make this world a better place. I would say the meaning of repair means that it's never complete because you always have to advance with time and with changes. And the more that we as either people, societies, uh, leaders, sectors understand 
that their repair has to be constant. We constantly have to update ourselves. We constantly have to listen to the needs out there. We constantly have to understand that there are people that are not part of the conversation. Um, for us, as uh, you know, Jay said, like in our faith, the repair starts from the individual and goes and grow to the groups, uh, but cannot be disconnected. You cannot repair something just by yourself. Uh, and therefore, you know, the world is big. There are many ways we can all contribute. And each one of us has a share in making the change. The one thing I would like to just add to say that philanthropy, which many of us either dismiss or take for granted, depends where we are, um, has a big role of this um, feeling of repair or what I would call responsibility, okay? Because the more you engage with people that voluntarily take their means uh, to make changes, to invest in uh, organizations and businesses or individuals, I think we can reach greater good. And I hope that, you know, we A, don't take it for granted and in the same time, uh, use our ability to make greater impact uh, much, much more than we do today. Well, I would say you two, as a local couple that I've gotten to know, uh, certainly speak to this on a daily basis and the people you surround yourselves with, too. And I hope more people discover what you're all about by going to the website, rudermanfoundation.org. And uh, by the way, there's a podcast there that Jay hosts. It's called the All-Inclusive Podcast. I listened to Cheryl Hines, the Larry David fake wife <laughs> interview, and it was great. And I think that's a wonderful way to reach people, as you know, we're doing it here now. Thank you both very very much and Thank continued you, success. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Again, to find out about the many ongoing projects, visit rudermanfoundation.org. That's R-U-D-E-R-M-A-N, rudermanfoundation.org. And my thanks again to Jay and Shira. Appreciate those of you subscribing and downloading this podcast, growing every single week. Special gratitude to Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media and my partner Ken Carberry at Char Productions. Until we meet again, let's be inspired by the Rudermans and people like them to, as I say, be well so you can do good. This is Jordan saying, take care.